Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I thought, well, I'm going to write about that, partly to kind of come to terms with what had happened to me. And it, it has really worked out that way as well, because I think for quite a few years, I just felt really heavy with the whole story of it, that it just felt like a weight I was carrying around with me. The hospital, not long after I had woken up from the coma, had said that you will never walk again. You will be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. The hospital, not long after I had woken up from the coma, had said that you will never walk again. You will be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. Well, I'm a bit bloody minded, so I thought I'll bloody show them. I went to a rehabilitation hospital. The services for stroke up in Scotland are amazing. You know, I had so much assistance. It was fantastic. I learned to walk, I learned to talk, learned to swallow, learned to do everything that you have to learn to be a human all over again at the same time as trying to be a single mum was quite hard for quite a few years but we got there eventually I mean I wouldn't say and I don't know whether I'll ever be completely fully recovered because obviously there's things that are long-standing that stays with you but I'm really grateful at the ability to be able to walk not be in a wheelchair the fact that I'm independent living since the stroke, I've been diagnosed with diabetes and I actually struggle quite a lot with the diabetes. I'm now on to weekly injections because my sugars are so bad. And I, looking back, I can see that I had all the symptoms of diabetes before the stroke. So I think that that was probably what was the cause of the stroke in my particular instance. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear. Welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Diabetes has been associated with a higher risk of stroke. If you have high levels of glucose in your blood over an extended period, it can cause damage to your blood vessels. And this, in turn, can lead to the formation of clots that could travel to the brain and cause a stroke. In this episode, we hear from Sharon Clare from Plymouth, who suffered a stroke at the age of 43. I recently just was going through a divorce and as a single mum with two children, so I was their caregiver and I just about to graduate from university and I'd become a midwife. So uh, yeah, life was looking really hopeful and I was really quite excited about my future and excited that I was going to be able to provide a, a decent income for my children and support them and then everything got taken away in a blink of an eye. I was asleep and I woke up with the inability to be able to talk, walk, move, anything. My sister had been staying with me at the time and she called the doctor and the doctor didn't even recognise that it was a stroke. But it was her that turned around to him and said, don't you think it's strange that her face has dropped? 
and she can't speak and she's like paralyzed down one side of her body. And he said, oh, yes. And then the next minute I was blue lighted to hospital. I went into a coma for three and a half weeks. I've written a book. I've written a couple now. I'm just my second one's just about to be published next week. So the first one was about my experiences in the coma, because I don't think a lot of people realize that just because you're in a coma, you're not asleep for the three and a half weeks. There's quite a lot that goes on whilst it's like you're locked into your body. So you're completely aware of everything that's going on. You have sleep and awake times, but you just can't move or open your eyes or anything. So I thought, well, I'm going to write about that partly to kind of come to terms with what had happened to me. And it, it has really worked out that way as well, because it, I think for quite a few years, I was very, just felt really heavy with the whole story of it, that it just felt like a weight I was carrying around with me. The hospital, not long after I had woken up from the coma, had said that you will never walk again. You will be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. Well, I'm a bit bloody minded, so I thought I'll bloody show them. I went to a rehabilitation hospital. The services for stroke up in Scotland are amazing. You know, I had so much assistance. It was fantastic. I learned to walk. I learned to talk, learned to swallow, learned to do everything that you have to learn to be a human all over again. At the same time as trying to be a single mum, it was quite hard for quite a few years, but we got there eventually. I mean, I wouldn't say, and I don't know whether I'll ever be completely fully recovered, because obviously there's things that are long-standing that stays with you. But I'm really grateful at the ability to be able to walk, not be in a wheelchair, the fact that I'm independent living. Since the stroke, I've been diagnosed with diabetes and I actually struggle quite a lot with the diabetes. I'm now on to weekly injections because my sugars are so bad. And I, looking back, I can see that I had all the symptoms of diabetes before the stroke. So I think that that was probably what was the cause of the stroke in my particular instance, because I had been going to the doctor quite a few times with different symptoms that now I would recognise as diabetes. But back then I had no idea. It was a sudden thing that I wasn't expecting at all, like most people, I think. Sharon is still experiencing the physical after effects of the stroke. So I still have left side weakness in my left arm. My arm can move. It has moments where it is kind of quite spasticated. I can't straighten my fingers. They're bent in weird shapes and things. I often thought it'd be nice to be able to touch type again and those sort of things as I had done before. But I, as much as I practice, I can't seem to get that dexterity back into my fingers again. I type with one hand, with one finger. That's why it's taken me 10 years to write two books. It's been a bit of a long slog doing everyday lives. But you think if you're really determined, and I think especially if you're a single mum, you have to find ways to look after your children and just do stuff. So a lot of things, especially once I got back from the rehabilitation hospital, I was in there for five and a half months it was trial and error and the children and I would just try and find a way of doing all the things that we did before, but in a different way. So we kind of adopted the phrase, let's not concentrate on the problem. Let's just try and concentrate on a solution. And that's exactly what they even do now in their lives. So it's been quite good. There's been a lot of positive things come out of the stroke, really, to be honest. I think if I had never had a stroke, you know, don't get me wrong. It's not that I don't miss my old life, 
or anything like that because it has changed completely. But I do feel that there's been so many things that have changed my life now from having the stroke that I'm really grateful for and I couldn't have had that unless the stroke had happened. So it's kind of a bit of a weird one really to say that, but I'm actually quite kind of grateful that this life-changing experience has happened to me. It's made me really value each day to live in the moment and because none of us are guaranteed tomorrow anything could change any day and I just think people often live a life of oh when this happens or when I get that qualification or that job or whatever then my life's going to be awesome but really your life is awesome right now right today and that's what we should be grateful for and focused on I kind of think. Sharon Stroke changed her relationship with her children. They became the parents and I really became the child for a long time. And I think my daughter, who is now 28, and my son is in his last year of university, he has kind of blocked it all out because he was only eight years old when it happened. And so he was just a wee guy. And he just, I think we tried to shelter him from a lot of the stuff that was going on just because it was so horrendous. But my daughter, bless her, she was 16. It kind of messed up her schooling and stuff because she became my carer, really. My bond with her is amazing. And we are like not a normal mother and daughter, you know. So, yeah, it has affected my relationship, especially my daughter. I would say it strengthened us. And my son is now he's an adult. He's very protective over me, which is wonderful. I haven't really got much negative to say about that. I mean, at the time when it was going on, I remember with my daughter being 16, when I came home from the hospital or prisoners, I like to call it, she was obviously at that experimental, like, I want to go out partying it all the time. And with me being pretty much in a wheelchair most of the time, because although I could walk, I couldn't walk a lot in the beginning days. So I spent a lot of time in the wheelchair and homebound. So I relied on her a lot, but she obviously had times where she was going out and partying it and coming home at all hours in the morning. And that put a bit of a strain on that. But then when I look back, she would have been like that anyway, regardless of whether I'd had a stroke or not. And so her little bouts of being angry at me for how her life has changed they would have happened regardless of whether I'd had a stroke. And she came out of it the other side. You know, she grew out of that. So I have a really strong relationship with both of them. Coming up, Sharon on writing down her experiences. Really, it's been my own therapy to come to terms with what happened because I just think that sometimes it can just be really hard to come to terms with. You're so young and... You have this massive double bleed in the centre of your brain and you end up in a coma, end up paralysed and then you have to learn how to be a human again. And I just wanted to, I just wanted something good to come out of my story. So that's the main reason why I wrote the books. And learning to drive again. It was down to going to that support group that I actually realised I would be able to get my driving licence back and maybe have a car again. And... As a single parent, that was like, yeah, that's my freedom. That's my ticket to being able to be a mum again. So the woman that ran it, she took me out into a little car park one night and she had a car with a little knob on the 
steering wheel with and it was automatic and it had a little computer disc where you pressed your indicators with your thumb. Let's hear about Sharon's book, Stroke Me. Six months after the stroke, I started dreaming about writing a book and it just became that I had to do it, so I started writing it. But however, with a memory problem and no concentration abilities much anymore, it just, I would start it and stop it and start it. So basically it took me 10 years to write the first one and I got it published November last year. So that was amazing. And it's had five stars and on the Amazon, 100% five stars. So I was super proud of that. And then whilst I was waiting for that to be published, I started writing the second one. The first one is from the moment I have the stroke until the moment I wake up from the coma. And it just tackles trying to remember what your name is and who are you and all those, all the confusion that you have and just not realizing that you're as ill as you are and you don't understand what's going on whilst you're in a coma. So that was the first book. The second one that's been finished, written about six months now, but it's getting published, as I say, in the next week or so. That's from when I wake up from the coma and then right up until I leave the rehabilitation hospital. I think it's more, I'm writing it from the mind of carers and family of people that have had a stroke, don't understand what it is that they're going through and you know, what's going on in their brain. So I tried my best to write it so that they can really understand what, well, just in my instance, what was going on in my brain and how mental and crazy and confusing it is to be trying to learn things that you know that you should just know how to do, like walk or like swallow, speak. And, you know, you don't, you you realize that people can't understand what you're saying and you have to go through occupational therapy to learn how to talk again and all those sort of things. And, and just what an overwhelming situation that is for someone. So that's the second book. And then the third one, which I'm halfway through writing right now, is from when I come home right up until life now and how I wrote the books and how rehabilitation looks like in community once you're away from the services because you don't get much more help once you're out of the rehab and I just think well even if it just helps just one person then it will be a a good thing but really it's been my own therapy to come to terms with what happened because I just think that sometimes it can just be really hard to come to terms with you're so young and you have this massive double bleed in the center of your brain and you end up in a coma, end up paralyzed, and then you have to learn how to be a human again. And I just wanted to, I just wanted something good to come out of my story. So that's the main reason why I wrote the books. Interacting with other stroke survivors has also played a major part in Sharon's recovery. The main stroke support group was in Scotland when I lived up in Scotland. And it was a lovely little support group in a little town called Bridge of Allen near Stirling. Absolutely, they were amazing. I think the wonderful thing about support groups is that you don't have to explain each week that you can't remember their name, that you don't have to explain that, you know, you've repeated yourself or all the other things that a stroke people 
feel or have their insecurities of. None of that is necessary when you're with a load of other strokies because they all understand. So it's just a really accepting place that you could really be the new you that you are now without having to apologise or try to explain away your inabilities not to be able to do something or anything. Uh, I just think it's a, they're wonderful. I used to love going to mine once a week. It was wonderful. And the people there were just so lovely. And it was down to going to that support group that I actually realised I would be able to get my driving licence back and maybe have a car again. And as a single parent, that was like, yeah, that's my freedom. That's my ticket to being able to be a mum again. So the woman that ran it, she took me out into a little car park one night and she had a car with a little knob on the steering wheel with, and it was automatic and it had a little computer disc where you pressed your indicators with your thumb, with a thumb button. And she let me have a go on it in a, in a car park. And I was like, yeah, I can flip and do this. This would be great. This will give me back my freedom again. Cause that's all that you know, you just want to be independent after a stroke. And if you've spent your whole life driving, having your license taken away is heartbreaking, especially if you've got children and you need to get them to school and home from school and up to their groups and all of that. It was really necessary for me to get my license back. So I think about around about a year post-stroke, I managed to finally get my license back. Sharon thinks you should keep a diary of your recovery. For a stroke survivor, I would say that it's important to remember never say never because although you might think that you might not be able to regain this, that or the other, I think that there's always a possibility in every situation that, you know, you have to be determined and it's always baby steps every single day. But I would say it would be a really good idea to maybe keep a little journal so that when you go through your hard times where you can't see much recovery and you're feeling quite down and low and suffering from fatigue and brain fog, that you can look back in your journals and see maybe how far you've come in the last year or however long it's been. So that's what I would say to a stroke survivor and to a loved one. I would just say, firstly, thank you. Thank you for still loving us because I know that we are a pain in the ass. But even if we don't always say thank you to you as a carer, we really appreciate everything you do for us. And thank you for sticking with us still because you are the world to us, really. And we'll never be able to thank you enough for being with us and still carrying on loving us and accepting us for who we are now, even though if we can't quite remember or get back to who we used to be, we hope that you will just carry on loving us for the new whoever we are now. A number of years on from Sharon's stroke, she's gained back her independence and is writing a trilogy of books documenting her time in an induced coma, recovering in a rehabilitation unit and returning home. Please do subscribe to Stroke Stories and do rate and comment to help us spread the word. And if you can refer Stroke Stories, recommend it to somebody you think it would really help. That would be very much appreciated too. And if you know of or are a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, please contact us via our DMs on Twitter 
and Instagram. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,